And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is... uh, not going to be the last time Jesus talks about prayer. And what I want to do this week, I want to challenge us, starting with myself, because I I was challenged this week, and I I really want to put it into effect this next week, to rethink how you pray. We've all been taught, we've all had an experience to pray a certain way. Some of us use big words, some of us use other words, some of us use the same word over and over again. Very rarely does my prayer look like a conversation that I'd have like with my wife or whatever. And that's fine because when it's the God of the universe, it's perfectly okay to have it be different than anything else. But um, we're going to talk about three things this morning about reanalyzing what that prayer life looks like. Some people are afraid to pray in public. Some people are afraid to pray in private. Some people... I just want us to reset ourselves because this was a thing that was close to Jesus' heart. And we're going to look at how Jesus modeled what we're going to be talking about. But uh, I have a short video to show you of if you don't know how to pray or it's tough for you, uh, you might be able to hire somebody uh, like this guy. Now listen, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, okay? I think you all got the gist of what that was saying. But in going through this week and going through these uh, scriptures and, uh, if, uh, and, and trying to figure out, God, what are you saying to me? What, what, what are you saying to me here in my prayer life? Because we're going to be talking about different things. We're going to be talking about the pagans and how they pray, how the hypocrites pray. And you might be saying, I don't really like to stand on the street corner and have everybody hear me. That's not really a temptation of mine. But I think Jesus is talking about something deeper than that. He's talking about connecting with God in a way that is real. Not something we've learned that we recite over and over again. Not something where we think we have to use a different language, different this, but really connecting with God. So I have up here, everything we uh, do can deteriorate into hypocrisy. Everything. Jesus has just happened to be talking about giving, prayer, and fasting. But it doesn't matter who you are. We have to. That's why in verse 1 of this chapter, Jesus says, beware. It can turn into hypocrisy. You might be the kind of person who goes to church every Sunday and says, I got it all together. This is it. And everything's going great for a while. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to draw attention to yourself. Starting to, or you can be the exact opposite and be like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm just going to be myself. Either way, no matter where you are, hypocrisy, being an actor, going through the motions, being an actor on a stage is what hypocrite is. To, to be that, it's, it's on the doorstep of our, of our spiritual house every single day. We need to be careful. So we're going to go over three things. Uh, three ways in this section of scripture that Jesus would have us pray. And, um, and uh, it shouldn't take too long <clears throat> for those of you who are new 
I typically go a ways. So, first, concealed prayer. What does Jesus say? He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Concealed prayer. Now, this one is really difficult for me, to be honest with you. It, and this is the thing that the Lord, this specifically was the thing the Lord is really showing, trying to show me to change for this next week as, as I apply the message, my own message to my own life, is to take some time of concealed away from everyone, away from everything in the dark. If it means be in a closet, be in a closet. It's very difficult for me to do that. I, I'm okay with praying without ceasing. Because that means I'm getting stuff accomplished, <laughs> right? That means I'm allowed to pray and work and pray and drive and pray. And, oh, that's great. But when it's stop <laughs> and pray, that one's tough for me. So I, I wanted to give us just a few things on this, uh, that this is what Jesus modeled. This idea of go into your room is not into your bedroom. This is an actual closet in your bedroom. This is the Greek word for... Um, it's a it's a cha- your bed chamber closet. And what makes this closet so cool is that this is where you would keep your treasures, the things you want hidden from the rest of the people in the house. If guests come over and it might be valuables, it might be something else that you want hidden that you don't really want them to see out. You know, the pastor comes over and so it's like, let's get all the tequila into our bed chamber or whatever. It doesn't matter. This is a hidden closet. And what makes this so cool is that Jesus is saying, I want you to go quietly where your treasure is. Because why? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. God wants us connecting with him on that level, away from everything in the secret place. We sing that song in the secret, in the quiet place. Right. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. This this prayer closet. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Jesus did this right after he was baptized. What did he do? He went into the wilderness. And we're going to talk about that that word wilderness in a little bit. But that's what Jesus did. He went off by himself. Jesus had no problem spending massive amounts of time with just an audience of one with just him and his heavenly father. And I have to look at my own life, church, and say, if I can't do that, what, why, what is it? And, and for years, it's been kind of like, well, it's not really my personality. You know, it's not, you know, I'm kind of a multitasker kind of guy. What, however, I tried to make it, package it to make it look good. <laughs> you know, how you do that, you, uh, how I do that anyway. Uh, So I'd package it however I wanted, but I realized it is difficult for me to be alone with God. Because I love to communicate. I love being around people and people have a certain way of communicating, don't they? Like, so if I'm talking to Lisa or anybody else, we interrupt each other, but in a good way. Like when the person's winding down, you kind of go, yeah, and that's right. And and this, you you know what I'm saying? With God, it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen that way. You just keep talking. He doesn't. I mean, sometimes he'll talk back, you know, however you hear from the Lord. Uh, I know he speaks to me, but it's not like a regular conversation. What happened? Oh, the door opened up. Yeah, come on in. That's fine. 
It's just church. Can you do me a favor, sweetheart, and just close that door? Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, <clears throat> where was I? We digress. So, it's difficult for me because when I'm talking to God, he's not talking back. He's not going, oh, that's a good point, John. And you know what else I think? I'm just there going, so, um, you know, I pray that you'd um, you know, help the church, help the people in the church grow. I mean, you know who they are. You know every single one of them. You created them all. So, you know, have you ever caught yourself doing that in your prayers? Talking yourself out of things? Lord, I really need a new car. And it, it's like a dropped call, you know? It's like, I really need a new car. Well, I guess I don't need a new car. I'd like a new car. Actually, there's people all over the world who don't have cars, so I guess I really don't even need a car. Okay, honestly, I just don't like the way my car smells. So I just want an air freshener or something like that. You ever do that? God wants us struggling through that, I believe. God wants us in our secret place where our treasures are, beginning to just go over telling secrets to God. It's, different. It's, it's a trip because Jesus says, okay, don't, don't do this for people. Do it for God who is unseen. Jesus admits, you're going to go in the secret place and you're not going to see him, okay? Don't you say sometimes, man, I w- if I could just see him. It, we'd be dead if we did. But assuming we didn't die, we go into this place, and if you could see God, you'd be like, wow, oh, that's all I need. We, that's not all we need. Jesus is saying he's unseen. Don't worry about it. Go in your, this inner place, this secret place, and watch what happens. We get rewarded is what happens. We'll get to that in a little bit. So we go into the secret place with God. And we tell God secrets. We get isolated. Look what it says here. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I talk all the time about not getting isolated. Don't get isolated. Because if you get isolated, the enemy can attack. I want to make a sidestep on that. Sometimes in my life, I need to get isolated. I have to get away. It has to be just me and God. Just me talking in the dark. This word lonely place is really cool. Uh, And uh, it says, what it is, is it's deserted by others, deprived of the aid and protection of others, especially of friends. So it's not even so much that you're getting away from just the cares of the world. Let me ask you a question. This is a question I had to ask myself this week. As different things were happening in my life this week, I was amazed as I was reflecting on the scripture how fast I go for my cell phone. So like something would happen, somebody would call or there'd be some good news or bad news. Oh, I got to tell so-and-so about it. Oh yeah, you'll never guess what happened, right? I have a pastor friend that we talk on Sundays. I tell him about church, you know, whatever, good or bad. Lord, I mean, Kevin, uh, right? I'll tell him. The sermon was so boring, even I fell asleep. It was so bad, right? Or, oh, it was a great Sunday. I just go to, or I go to Lisa, or I go to my friends, right? That's the first thing I reach for. This idea of a lonely place, no friends, no protection. 
the first thing out of your mouth is going to be God. Guess what happened today? Because if you're like me and 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 you're going to uh, like work or whatever and that something happens with the boss, all your friends are going to support you, right? They're going to be like, oh, did he really say that again? You should leave. You should get another job, man. Or your girlfriend, she really, oh, man, she's not. You need a you need a better girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. Right. That's what our friends do. God doesn't do that. God does not do that. God says, well, what are you doing that for? Why do you care? What's that all about? Are you getting value from that? You shouldn't get value from that. Our secret place is unprotected. It's raw. It's where we tell our secrets. It's where we can be wounded. This is why gossip in the church is so detrimental. Because we're supposed to be a community. We're supposed to be able to share things. Have you ever shared something with somebody? And then you're like, you know, I probably gave up too much information there. Okay? I do that every Sunday, by the way. Uh, but, and you're going, man, I wonder what they're going to think. Or if you're like dating and you're starting to like this guy or gal. And then you're just like, yeah, I still have a Barbie collection. Uh-oh. Right? I don't have a Barbie collection. I was trying to do it if you were a girl. Or something that like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. This is what Jesus wants us to be doing with our Heavenly Father. Going in and going, Lord, as plain as day, this is what I'm going through. That guy at work is driving me nuts. Unprotected from friends who will go, well, then you need to go to monster.com and get a new job. Because God might be saying, you know what? I know, and I want you to stay there. I want you to suffer through it. You've got some issues you need to work out. And I'm not going to let you get to another spot until you've worked this out. Totally unprotected. So look what happens. Jesus withdrew. And look when he withdrew in Luke chapter 5. News spread about him more and more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed Uh, of their sicknesses this is exciting ministry stuff i mean jesus's life at this point is jamming (laughs) it would be like if i all of a sudden the church started growing we're going to two services and people all over for some reason wanted to hear my sermons right i hear he's speaking on prayer and he said we should pray more how outside of the box is that? This guy's amazing, right? And so they're coming and, and all of a sudden people are getting healed and people are coming to Christ and ministry is just jamming. My first inclination would be to call my friend Kevin. You'll never guess what happened. This is, I don't know why this is happening. It's so awesome. People would ask, how's the church going? Oh, it's incredible. They're growing and this is fantastic. Jesus, things are going and people want to talk to him. He's getting healed. He's like, I got to get out of here. I've got to go over all this stuff with my heavenly father because I need to find out how he wants me dealing with it. Am I supposed to speak the hard word? Remember, Jesus would do that. He'd start getting popular and he'd go, yeah, so anyway, unless you eat my flesh, then you can't really have any part of me. And people are like, whoa, dude, what? (laughs) That's disgusting. I'm out of here. Right. Same things were happening. Jesus was constantly at the height of what's going on in his life. He was constantly going to his father going, do you want me to shut this down? Do you want me to increase this? What do you want me to do? And, and this is so hard for me. Gosh, ah, 
I'll start out good, and then I, I, it's hard to get to that secret place. But I am convinced that God wants me to be working on this exact thing in my life. This exact thing. So I, hopefully it, it ministers to you as well. Listen to this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone looking for you. See, some of the reasons why we don't get to our quiet place is because we buy into that whole thing. Everybody's looking for me. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I've got to, and my kids need this. And if I don't do that, I mean, for me as a pastor, I always feel this way. Not that everybody's looking for me like I'm so important, but I always feel like, man, if I'm not doing something for the kingdom, I'm wasting time. Like, to be honest, sometimes I want to get through my prayer time because I've got things to do. Yikes! Head for the doors now if that's your pastor. Get a good spiritual leader. Right, but these are the things that the Lord's trying to show me this week. That... Everybody's looking for you, Jesus. So what? If I care about everybody and I I haven't shored up that quiet place with God, I'm going to end up letting everybody down anyway. (laughs) Right? If If I don't have my prayer life, my solitary secret place where I'm pouring out my secrets to God, I'm going to let my kids down. I'm going to let my job down. And so Jesus understood that. And the fact that everybody who's looking for him didn't mean anything. That's my second thing. Not only is this concealed prayer, quiet with God in your inner place, wherever that is. I used to make the excuse that it was in my car. But too many things were happening uh, while I was in my car that I can't say that anymore because it wasn't quiet and it wasn't connected. Connected prayer. When you pray, he says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Now, I was thinking about this section of Scripture going, I'm looking out over the church, that's usually not our thing. Like, you know what I mean? That, like, doesn't, that verse doesn't really apply to us today. Like, I don't see any of you guys going, man, I'm really struggling, because when I'm at Albertson's, I, I just am so tempted to stop in the produce aisle and just start praying, right, to be seen by men. That's, that's not really what we're struggling with today, right? What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about your prayers aren't connected to God anymore. You're being distracted by what people think. What I think our temptation is in our culture is when you're in a small group and someone asks to pray, and you're like, heck no, I'm not why? Because I'm nervous. Because people might think it's the same thing. If our prayers aren't connected, if we're thinking about other stuff instead of praying to God, being connected with him, this is what Jesus is talking about. See, these for the Jews at this time, you would not ask a Jew, hey, how's your prayer life going? Like we, we as Christians, we ask, hey, how's your prayer life? Oh, They wouldn't ask themselves these questions. They were praying all the time. 
They had two, I'm going to butcher these Jewish words because I'm not a Jewish scholar, but they had one, call, one prayer called the Shema, and that was Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and then 11, 13 through 21. And they'd pray that in the morning. Then they had another one. This is the one, if anyone knows any of these words, please forgive me. It's the Shimona Ezrei. Okay, I'm never going to do that again. What that is, it actually literally means 18, and they were 18 prayers, and they'd pray them on the third, sixth, and ninth hour of the day. 18 short prayers. And they had shorter versions for these just in case you're in a rush. So they were kind of like us. Uh, it, it that, you know, God, you know I just said that one, so it meant that one, right? It's human nature. So they were praying all the time. But they weren't connected. They, ha- they had the time down. They had everything down, but they weren't connected. So what would happen at the third, uh, sixth, and ninth hours? You'd be going, do-do-do, walking along the street, and all of a sudden, there'd be a call to prayer, and you'd pray these things. It was just natural. It would be natural if we were here, and all of a sudden, the ninth hour, okay, you know, do-do-do-do, you know, then we'd all just pray. We'd know what's, we all knew what was going on. What these guys were doing was they were going, oh, man. It's getting close to be six o'clock. I got to get out to where people can see me. So all of a sudden you see him rushing, rushing. All of a sudden, whoa, well, you know, I'm on the street corner. It happens to be time to pray. That's what they were doing. It's really interesting to me that Jesus used this idea of praying on the streets because he uses a different word. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about giving? We'd say that they blow the trumpet in the streets. That word for streets is back alley. They were in the lane. It was called the lanes. These were hidden. That's where the poor people were. So what they do, because no one would see them back there, is they'd blow the trumpet to supposedly get everyone to come in. But really it was like, I'm over here. You wouldn't normally see them. In this case, this Greek word for street is boulevard. It's, it's the main thoroughfare. So they either show up at the synagogue or they show up on the street corner to be seen by men totally disconnected from God. See, once prayer becomes, I have to do this, I have got to do that, once it becomes for another purpose, other than growing close to God, it becomes, it has the temptation to become disconnected. And we need to get our prayers back connected. We get to our secret place and we connect. It's not about who who said what or these Jews had a prayers for everything. They had prayers when you got new furniture. They had a prayer for that. They had a prayer for when you heard good news or when you heard bad news. Tons of prayer was going on, but it was totally disconnected. I want to give you a, a, a quick section of scripture here. Jesus is about ready to die, and so he goes up uh, on the mountain in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's just going before God in a very, very connected prayer. And he's saying, Lord, if we can somehow work this out so that I don't have to die on the cross, that would be awesome. Because he's beginning to know what's all the ramifications of this. I mean, he knew it before, but he's getting closer and closer. And he knows. Remember when Jesus would say, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. He knows now's the time. And so he's praying. And then we all know the story. The disciples are falling asleep, right? (laughs) And so we always come down to the disciples like, man, you can't even stay awake. You're supposed to keep watch. You can't even stay awake. Well, look what happens here. In Matthew chapter 26, it says that Peter 
declared, uh, what do I have? Yeah, I'm sorry. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 40, it says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went to pray a second time. Uh, it went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then in verse 43, it says he came back and found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he prayed one more time. Totally connected. Now, check this out because I didn't really think of this before. If this were me, my focus would start to change on the disciples. Like, golly, what is going on? We've been doing this this long and you don't you guys don't get it yet. You don't. It would affect my prayer life. (laughs) But when you look at Jesus's pattern of prayer, no matter what was going on, he was connected in his prayers when he was being persecuted by the Pharisees. Again, I'd get sidetracked. I'd start calling all my friends. Oh, I got this guy. Oh, so frustrating at church. Praise God. We don't have anyone like that here. Thank you. But I'd start to get sidetracked by that. Jesus stays connected no matter what the circumstances are. Even when his closest disciples can't hang with him. He stays connected with God. He says, not my will, but your will be done. It's connected prayer. Thirdly, it's concentrated prayer. Concentrated prayer. He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. When he says to his disciples on the, on the hill there, he says, keep watching and praying. It's very important for us to see that. The watching and the praying are connected. It's like, look around you and pray about that. Understand what circumstances you're going through and pray about that. It's concentrated effort. If it is about the job, great. We go into our inner room and go, Lord... I hate my boss. I can't stand it. Every time I wake up, I feel sick to my stomach. Every time I drive to to work, I can't stand it. Lord, I cannot stand this guy at school or this girl at school. Tell him. Tell him. Connect it with, with your circumstances and concentrate it. Because here's what happens, guys. The Lord begins to speak. He begins to change our hearts as we're praying, as we're as we're concealed and con- uh, uh, connected and concentrated. The Lord begins to show us things. That's why there's a peace that surpasses all comprehension. It's like all I've done is pray. I shouldn't be feeling this. It'll guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the babbling part wasn't necessarily the thing. Some of us will say the same prayer over and over again. Jesus went up and prayed three times. Lord, please let this cup pass before us. Some of us are praying the same prayers we've been praying since we were a little kid about a lost relative. That's not the idea. It's that they're just not concentrated. We're not concentrating on what we're saying. It's just blah, blah, blah. I do this all the time in my prayers. I talk to God a lot differently than I talk to Lisa um, although both of them discipline me about equally. Um, uh, no, I'm kidding around. So, um, like, what I'll do when I'm praying is I'll say the word Father, Heavenly Father, like, 
every other word. Like as I as I've been analyzing my prayers this week, I've known I, I wouldn't say to Lisa, you know, Lisa, how's how's your day? Lisa, I just wanted to tell you, Lisa, that I I, you know, love you. And and Lisa, I but when I pray, I'm like, Father, Father, you know how I, you know, I do that as I begin to analyze prayers. I have to ask myself, why am I doing it? If it's if it's just the way I pray, fine. I'm not coming down on any specific way to pray. We all are going to pray differently because we're all created differently, have a different. All I'm saying this week, check it out. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Why did I say that? And ask him, why did I say that? What has my prayer life gotten to, Lord? Are you happy with it? I want to stay concentrated on what I'm doing. Listen, again, I'm not coming down on us. I'm merely saying this has been a fun exercise for me. Number one, to realize it is very hard for me to be alone when I pray. The uh, connected isn't so hard for me. Concentrated sometimes is. So I've been asking myself these questions. Have I just gotten myself into a habit of how I pray? Have I been taught a certain style or whatever? And it's just kind of the way I do it. And in reality, the only thing I really care about is praying to accomplish prayer because that's what I'm supposed to do rather than growing close to God. We, um, when I grew up, we lived in Pasadena. Uh, we, I moved from New Jersey to Pasadena. And when we moved to Pasadena, we lived one block away from what is now the U.S. Center for World Missions in Pasadena. It's just this four-block, com- you know, not compound. That makes it sound like a thing. But when we got there, uh, there was a cult that had the property. It was uh, Summit Lighthouse was the name of the cult. And the leader was uh, a lady named Elizabeth Clare Prophet. I don't know if you've ever heard of her before, but she drove around in this pink limousine. It was really everything you'd want from a cult. They had it. It was really cool. And so as a kid growing up. Like you'd, they'd walk around in these robes and stuff like that and they'd chant. They'd chant. They'd, and they'd learn you'd learn these chants, whatever they were, and they'd chant. And so what they do is they'd be in a room or whatever and um, <clears throat> Jesse can stop listening right now. And uh, there'd be a room with uh, glass and they'd be in there and they'd all be chanting. I don't want to m- mimic what they were saying, but um, they'd be chanting. So me and my friend would ride our bikes up to the glass because they'd usually have their eyes closed. And they were like rocking back and forth, all chanting. And we'd bang on the glass. Ah! <laughs> in the middle of their chant. And then they'd get up and they'd run out and they're in their robes and stuff. And um, and they would point their fingers out and curse us not not like cussing like you know cussing but they'd say like one of the curses that they you know may bail rain fire on your family or whatever and then we'd stop and go (laughs) and like drop on the floor you know on the ground and uh, and then get on our bikes (laughs) right right off And so, you know how you tell people too much information and <laughs> you wish you hadn't? No, I'm kidding around. So, 
so, uh, so one of these families lived across the street from us, and I was actually good friends with the kids and stuff. And so we'd always ask them all these questions. Why do you do all these chanting, all this stuff? Well, so I was thinking about the chanting. I started thinking about phrases and stuff that I repeat in my prayers that I'm not even paying any attention to what they are. I might as well just be babbling. Because not, I'm not concentrating on what I'm saying. Maybe it's filler or whatever. And it's like the same thing. And then someone interrupts me or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I can't get anything done. And it's like, you weren't doing anything anyway. Concentrated prayer. In the Old Testament, Elijah, uh, we, uh, basically what had happened was Jezebel, who was the queen, had killed all the prophets of God. And so uh, Elijah was one of the ones that was left. And, um, and so all these prophets of Baal, uh, that was the reigning religion at the time. And so God had had enough of it. And so what Elijah did, and I guess the reason I love this story is because he like, it was a little smackdown. They had a little uh, competition over whose God was greater. And so the prophets of Baal make this altar and they begin to pray. It says from morning until noon, they were chanting. They were getting all fired up. Rain down your fire, Baal. Rain down, chanting and chanting and chanting. And then it says this in, uh, oh, pray without ceasing. Don't forget that either. But uh, it says, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder. (laughs) Check this out. So Elijah is taunting them, making fun of them. And they're like, oh, that's a good idea. That sounds right. He's taunting them and says, and so uh, they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until their blood flowed. They're just going nuts and nothing's happening. Because they're praying to the wrong God. Here's what I want to see for a concentrated prayer, because this has been going on from the morning all the way till the evening sacrifice, it says this has been going on for a long time. Check out Elijah's prayer. This is really cool. He says, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That's kind of like our Father which art in heaven. Uh, Let it be known today that you are the God in Israel. Hallowed be thy name. And that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Thy will be done. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. Listen to this. And that you are turning their hearts back again. He was totally connected with the fact that God loves people. And he wants relationship. And this is Old Testament stuff. And we say, oh man, God seemed to be different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. He's the same God. And he loves us. And this is how we go before him. In this relationship to turn what? Our hearts back again. Focused prayer. We're we're concealed. We're by ourselves. We're connected with God and we're concentrating on what we're praying about. This is what Elijah did. He had an intimate relationship with God. And then God rains down fire and burns everything up it's very cool ending you got to read it 
but he's connected. I want to read one more section of scripture, how Jesus modeled this, this concentrated prayer. In Luke 6, 12, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. Again, this is right after some persecution. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. I, I can't do that. I, 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 it would be an, a big event for me. I'd have to gear up for it. Like next Thursday, I'm going to spend all night in prayer with God. Because I'd, I'd need time to like figure out how that was all going to go down. I don't want to be that way. This week, I want to take specific chunks of time to get away, to be with God, to be connected and concentrating on what I'm praying about. Did you know that that is more important than ministry? I'm saying this to myself. To me, ministry is everything. If I'm doing ministry, I'm living. I mean, it's, it's what I was created to do. I love it. And sometimes prayer for me gets in the way. But Jesus went and he prayed all night. And look what happens, okay? This is concentrated prayer. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he, whom he also named as apostles. He prayed all night and then chose his disciples because he knew choosing of those 12 was very, very important. Now, I don't claim to understand how Jesus, being fully man and fully God, needed to pray to learn which maybe he knew before. I have no clue. I don't know if he didn't know or chose not to know. And then he talked to his heavenly father because he's part of the Trinity. And I might walnut-sized brain is not big enough to understand exactly what was happening. All I know is this. Jesus, God, in the form of man, spent all night in prayer with his heavenly Father. How much more (laughs) do I need to be beginning to get this pattern of isolation? You know what I mean? I don't know how it all works with Jesus. But I know that I'm supposed to model it, and even more so. We're going to take some time of uh, communion right now as the worship band returns. And what, what I'd like to do is, uh, we have a longer time this morning, and uh, we don't need to take it all up, but I wanted to have, you, you can time it if you want, but four minutes or whatever, five minutes of absolute silence. Because the cool thing about God is this solitary place can happen anywhere. Once we get good at it, we can just be in our office or whatever or just. So for you guys, this might be easy. For me, five minutes of silence is difficult, especially in a church setting where I'm always thinking about you. (laughs) guys I don't ever want us to stand still as a church to just get complacent to get routine to make our prayers just the same babbling over and over again 
the cool thing about Jesus is we don't really know how he prayed. Because then we'd get all caught up in it. We'd get all bent out. Well, you know, Jesus, he always did his supplications first, then his, you know, all this kind of stuff. God wants our hearts. If your heart is you pray a certain way, and that's how you connect, praise God. If we need to throw out everything and start talking to him like our friend down the street, fine. God wants our hearts. We are in love.